Hello and welcome to this Lloyd's List podcast. Seafarer training has preferred classrooms over the cloud. Although e-learning was made widely available in the early 1990s, still seafarers have been making their way by land, sea or air to a training academy to receive teaching in the age-old way. Maritime training can hardly be described as leading edge, so when the COVID-19 pandemic swept the world, maritime training suffered. But the pandemic has probably been the kicking maritime training needed. There's had to be a rethink, precisely because seafarers have been unable to travel, yet still had to learn new skills. And because shipping is rapidly changing and seafarers have to embrace the latest safety, competence and environmental awareness requirements. Earlier this year, two companies with similar visions for maritime training, yet who came at it from different directions, formed a strategic partnership to provide shipping companies, training institutes, manning agencies and seafarers with a learning platform that brings all stakeholders into the one ecosystem. The companies involved are Vatsila Voyage, busy creating a smart marine ecosystem, and Ocean Technologies Group, which, is just, which has been just as busy empowering seafarers for a changing industry. Now, only six months after the partnership was formed, Vartsila Voyage's cloud simulation capability has been made available on OTG's ocean learning platform. What does this mean for the seafarer? How will shipping companies benefit? Won't easier access to cloud simulation shake the foundations of training institutes? My name is Richard Clayton, Chief Correspondent at Lloyd's List. Joining me to discuss what this means for maritime learning stakeholders are Neil Bennett, Business Development Director for Global Simulation at Vartsila Voyage, and James Lee, Digital Learning Solutions Manager, also at Vartsila Voyage. Neil, if I could begin with you, let's put all this into context. When did Vartsila st start its work on cloud simulation? What were the obstacles to rolling it out across the industry? And why has COVID-19 forced a change? Yeah, thank you, Richard. Um, so it's really been more than 10 years ago that the first concept of uh, simulation moving to the cloud was discussed. Uh, it was at one of our user conferences, actually, um, around the same time that a lot of industry we're starting to move enterprise systems to the cloud. Um, since then, I think about five years ago, we went, ran some pilot projects, uh, SUNY Maritime in the US, um, but we really only accelerated and focused the development when the, when the true scale of the pandemic became apparent and, and obviously its effect on maritime training. Um, so you asked about obstacles. Um, Connectivity improvements have helped. Um, using a digital learning or a blended approach, it, it requires a different way um, of teaching. 
um, which obviously, you know, forces a change. Um, and I think really there was never much of a pressure on maritime to change because on-premise simulation training is somewhat hardwired into the certification and flag approvals. So COVID-19, obviously, when the pandemic hit, meant that most, if not all, of the maritime colleges, they really couldn't operate on-premise simulator courses. Um, most flag states, I think, gave special permissions to move online, which was obviously vital uh, to continue to, to move forward at all. Um, and of course, it, it impacted shipping companies as well, because we all are well aware of how difficult it was to repatriate seafarers. And so then, you know, having them uh, travel to a shipping company's training center or any training centers became very difficult. So, yeah, it had quite a obviously a huge impact on training in the last year. Now, you talk a lot about learning in the flow of work. What is the problem and what's the solution? Um, yeah, I mean, the, the, the problem is really about um, the solution, which is using the technology, right? We have a lot of new technologies. A lot of younger people use them. You know, you think about it in today's society, we want to go online or talk to Siri or go on YouTube uh, to answer all the challenges we have in life, not just our working challenges, but everything. Um, and I mean, the truth is, typically you can get the answer that you seek through those types of devices. So, um, you know, currently we train seafarers in large blocks of training away from their point of work. And we have to hope that during those blocks, they retain enough of the learnings that they've completed to be competent when they actually get to the ship, whether it's days, months or years um, from that time. Of course, studies prove that that's not the best approach. What we really must do is, is put more learning into smaller digestible packages um, in the flow of work um, at or as near as it is it can be accessible um, so seafarers can learn and get answers where and when they need them by whatever device they choose. So, yeah, I mean, this, the solution is to use the technology available today. Um, we probably should make some fairly radical changes to how seafarers do their learning today. Um, we have to modernize anyway, I think, to attract young people into a maritime um, career, whether it's at sea or ashore. Um, and of course, we have to make them now competent uh, with regard to operational efficiency, not just safety, but and, and as well as that environmentally aware. Um, ICS has pushed for a major review of the regulated training under STCW, which is moving ahead. And I think all of industry wants the same thing. So with industry support, I think we can achieve a huge amount. Um, presumably, James, the ability to access a mix of modes to offer a kind of blended learning, that puts the training back in the hands of the seafarer. That's right, Richard. It's interesting. There's years of studies of late um, with sort of the digital revolution of education and training that have come out of the corporate sector, uh, as well as the more traditional higher education sector that shows that a mix of modes, mix of 
delivery modalities drives much better learning outcomes. So the knowledge transfer is far greater if a learner, whether they be a seafarer or a medical student or a, or a lawyer, can have a mix of self-study, consume some text, uh, use some e-learning, some traditional that death by PowerPoint stuff still has a purpose. Um, and then obviously moving on to the cloud simulation world, it's, a, it's the mix of those modalities that's important. Each has its own retention rate, each has its own distraction rate. And there's people have spent thousands of hours studying how people, how learners react to the difference of modality. Um, what's interesting is we, you, your question was about the access to these modalities. And that's where, again, sort of echoing what Neil was saying, it's about technology. Um, there, we have a, a generation of what we call anywhere, anytime, any device, digital natives, people using technology. Uh, as, as Neil said, there's a demand or an expectation to use technology to deliver whatever mode it is, entertainment or banking or socialization. And what that means is if we can combine that access that technology gives with the different modes, technology becomes a democratizer of training. Um, it's we, we see it as bringing down the barriers of entry for training providers and, and employers to give training to back to the hands of the, the seafarers. So the seafarer could control it um, and drive learning. I'd just like to dig into the idea of simulation uh, a little more. What, what is simulation? When does it offer a better training scenario? And when are the other modes of training actually more suitable? Well, simply put, um, any type of simulation, it's really the experiential learning that, that a professional needs, but can't always engage in during um, real life, uh, in our case, sea time. Um, we have an interesting ongoing debate in maritime as to what's best sea time or simulation time. And the answer is really quite simple. They're both very good, very effective, and they have their place, right? They're vitally important uh, in shaping a seafarer. Um, in maritime, I think we do tend to still over favor the traditional onboard sea time experience. Um, you know, other industries like aviation and medical would certainly suggest a different approach. Um, so, yeah, you know, simulation is a controlled learning environment where you can make mistakes without it costing money or lives. <clears throat> um, you know, in the same way that you can't be put behind the controls of a triple seven until you've got a certain number of simulation hours uh, logged. Um, or a surgeon has to complete a certain number of simulated surgeries before he's uh, unleashed on a human being. Um, you know, shouldn't a mariner have the opportunity to dock a 300 meter container ship uh, in a simulator uh, in a similar way multiple times before, you know, being dropped in at the deep end? James, did you want to come in on that? I just think to echo that, um, as particularly from the training institute's perspective, it, it also really deepens the concept of assessment in the sense to give you a real life scenario to be able to assess um, a simulated passage of Suez after the recent crisis of the, the blockage of Suez. Simulation gives the ability to, to repeat practice over and over again, rather like, as Neil said, the, the 777 pilot um, without all the real world costs. but. To, to engage that muscle memory and that that knowledge memory, um, it there is probably it can replace 
and deepen the assessment aspect of training probably like no other solution can. So, so the key to all this is competence, isn't it then? How will this Vatsila OTG partnership build confidence in our seafarers when the future of shipping seems more uncertain than ever? Can we go to you first, Neil? Yeah, um, I think first we are bringing, you know, uh, the online simulation with a platform that makes it so much more easy to access along with all the other effective training that is already there on the platform, real quality training, uh, this experiential training, um, which has that greater tendency to stick. Um, and it will reduce the cost by making it available, you know, online where and whenever you, you want it to be. Um, as James said, assessment becomes a lot easier, which means we can determine what a seafarer really needs to use. Again, a lot is regulated where a person will do training at a particular set time interval, whether they actually need it or not. So let's analyze, let's use the competence management tools and the analysis tools that the Ocean Learning Platform provides to actually adapt that training for what they really need. James, what does this link up with OTG's Ocean Learning Platform enable you to do now that you couldn't do before? I'll just simplify it down to two things. We were able to reach the seafarer directly, uh, as we never have before, um, giving them, as I said before, an anywhere, anytime, any device access to training. We were able to allow, put them the seafarer in the driver's seat. They can potentially mix their own training formats. They can design their own blended learning. And obviously with the simulation side, we're bringing into the training institute world, the ability for those organizations to create their own assessments and exercises. So empowering them to do so and also share them. This is in coming versions, not today. Share them into almost like a collaborative marketplace. So the most important thing for us is the on-demand aspect and the, the ability to be incredibly responsive to conditions and changes. From a training institute perspective, there might be changes in the industry or uh, like the oil and gas turn off, drop, drop off a few years ago. It can enable the training institutes to very rapidly augment and change their curriculum, obviously assuming they've got these courses on scope and really boost and widen their, their um, access to students. And lastly, like I said, the ability to react fast uh, for training and simulation for things like incidents in Suez or um, you know potential potential changes to ship traffic control rules or regulations. Um, so it's really interesting, isn't it, that the the future of the training institutes themselves um, now come into question because if what you're doing uh, enables the students to do a lot of this at home or on the ship or wherever, so what is the future? do you think of the training institutes? I think in actual fact, the training institutes are perhaps the biggest driver of this whole thing, this whole transformation that takes place. Um, they are the backbone of maritime training. Uh, they're the primary source of maritime learning. We're simply providing a tool to allow them to expand on that training, get it where it really needs to be, um, and and facilitate breaking down actually a lot of the geographic barriers for it. So, you know, 
in a similar way as the rest of um, the educational world, uh, we don't see universities shutting down. In fact, we see them developing, changing their business model into something new and having a much wider geographical uh, scope. And I, I really do think it drives quality, which we really need in maritime, right? If your top quality um, instructors and content can now be delivered to anyone anywhere in the world, it gives you an ability to really standardize and, and get the quality you need wherever your seafarers are coming from. And just e echoing that, I'll talk purely on the business side, a brief comment, having run myself technical training institutes, this sort of technology um, can enable a, a, a growth and a, a greater attractive for training institutes to widen their student uh, recruit or cadet enrollments to enable potentially pathway programs or pre-study programs as stu before students physically come to the institute. If there is, hopefully not, but if there is another pandemic, again, so many institutes were had to close down, so we've, we'll make sure that they don't have to turn the, the lights off virtually. Um, and give those students that ability, their cadets and their learners, the ability to do a lot more exam prep remotely, um, a lot more um, preparation for classware and classes and courses, and uh, ultimately graduate better mariners faster, which is what the industry needs. So we see this, as Neil said, it's a tool, not a replacement. It's not here to replace anything. It's here to kind of amplify the work that the training students, the training institutes are already doing. So it's a positive initiative all round, right? That's good to hear. I want to draw some of these threads together now. Um, both Vartzila and OTG are focused on the goal of net zero shipping. Um, if I could ask both of you briefly, can digital learning help us to get us there? Neil? I think it can certainly play its part, yes. Reductions in in-person training certainly reduces our carbon footprint um, and simulation and training has a strong role in increasing awareness of the importance of decarbonisation. Um, I fully expect there to be more of a focus on operational efficiency in future training. Uh, and for a company like Vartzilla, I think this is a really important point. Having simulation and training in-house it really gives us a unique ability to produce training solutions to ensure that seafarers that are using these new digital technologies that will drive the decarbonization, they know how to use them effectively because without that, the benefits of investing in green technologies can very easily be lost. Yeah, I'd second that. A lot of the work we do is is will be appearing in the future in our, our partnership platform, the OLP platform. You know, Vartzilla Voyage as a, as a business is, has multiple new technologies, cloud-enabled uh, technologies that are driving uh, just-in-time arrivals and ports, reducing fuel burns, etc. But that technology, those solutions need training in order for them to be optimized, and the optimization of this these new solutions has a direct impact. We've just done a pilot uh, program with adjusted time arrival into a huge North African port that saved something like 15% of fuel burn. Now, when we can translate that, that's uh, during the period of waiting for a berth, translating that into how we, we can simulate this, we can simulate these technologies and be complementary to these onboard technologies with a direct impact, as well as again, the indirect impacts, which Neil's already mentioned. Last year, we, during the pandemic, we did not fly several hundred trainers for several thousand hours around the world. And 
this this time around next year we probably will only be doing about 30 percent of what we did in the past this is a this is a new normal for us um using the cloud and cloud simulation to make a, a big impact on our carbon footprint thank you very much maritime training has begun what could with hindsight be viewed as a revolution that's training for seafarers on board our ships for operational support on shore and for professional services. The driving force is an urgent need to embrace decarbonisation swiftly and effectively. But it's no good only training the seafarers if the rest of the maritime ecosystem is not in step. The partnership between Bartzilla Voyage and Ocean Technologies Group is a good example of companies recognising that collaboration with like-minded industry players can overcome what appear to be real obstacles to growth. Thank you to Neil Bennett, thank you to James Lee for your insight on next generation training and thank you for listening to this Lloyd's List podcast. Mm -hmm.